content is part of the DNA of your business and you use it to with the understanding that you're out there building an audience, connecting with with your customers and your what I call your village of support. There's not everyone's going to be a customer. You've got a lot of friends of your firm or you or whatever, and they're happy to promote you if you give them a reason to do so. You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today, we're going to talk about building your own channel, your own media channel, and creating a culture of content with your, within your organization. The guest I've got joining me in studio today is Trevor Young. He is a digital citizen, and he is an experienced PR practitioner, author, blogger, and social broadcaster. Trevor has been listed uh, on Brand Quarterly's 50 Marketing Thought Leaders Over 50, and he was named by Sydney Morning Herald as one of eight heroes of Australian content marketing and listed by Smart Company as one of Australia's top business thinkers. I think you'll enjoy our conversations. We talk about traditional PR, what it is, what it isn't, and how he explains how to earn trust, grow your influence, and build recognition to enhance your reputation. So I'd like to welcome Trevor Young to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Well, hey, Trevor, welcome to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Thank you, Doug. Great to be here. Super excited to talk about you or talk to you, talk with you, have a conversation. You know, I've looked through your your websites and your social, and I, I really love your style. So for those who don't know you well, do you want to give uh, just a you know, high level overview of, of what it is you do and how you help your clients kind of move the move their business, move the sales dial? Yeah, thanks, Doug. Well, I've sort of been, my background is very much traditional PR f- for uh, quite a number of years. And, um, but all that changed in 2007 when I uh, started blogging. And um, that opened my eyes to all sorts of things. I was on Twitter in that year and, um, and actually on LinkedIn in 2005, when if you <laughs> invited someone to connect with you, they probably thought you were a stalker. So, but th- that, that whole notion changed the ball game. And, and in those days, I was just experimenting and was very curious and, and wanted to see how blogging and then, you know, a few years later, podcasting and, you know, the onset of video and YouTube, how can people use that in a, in a, you know, through a PR lens? How can they use all of these tools and try and make sense of everything to, to build what I like to call, and this is what I think PR is, is deepen the level of connection you have with the people who matter most to the success of your business or your cause or your issue if you're a nonprofit. So, any anything that does that deepens those relationships and that connection uh, is PR. And of course, we now have the plethora of tools. So, my role now is more kind of, I have an agency, but um, very, I do a lot of sort of strategy and almost mentoring and advisory, mainly with fast growing, mainly with fast growing uh, entrepreneurial companies where I get to deal with the the head, you know, between fifty and one hundred and fifty staff, and also emerging thought leaders, people who have got a story to tell, they've got a message out to get out there, um, and they're just confused about how to do it. And there's ways to do it strategically today. I think you've got to be both strategic and creative in how you do that. And my whole thing is to become. Your your own media channel as the starting point, and and then you build everything else on top. So you build that base of communications with your audience. You grow your audience. That's a three hundred and sixty five days of the year. Now you're building assets to to build your profile and your reputation in the marketplace. So I help people to do that through speaking, advisory workshops, uh, consulting. That's really cool. I mean, how, you know, it's funny how it's changed. I mean, years ago, I went to an event in New York and it was called the Innovation Summit. And it was interesting who some of the speakers were. And they had somebody there from, uh, maybe I won't mention the name, one of the biggest newspapers in, in, in New York. And they basically, you know, they still at that point hadn't clued in that because um, we talked a little bit off air, what PR is and isn't, that it doesn't have to be talking with a reporter. You can become your own media source. And at that point, uh, it was actually someone from the journal. They hadn't uh, they hadn't acknowledged that, that uh, people can actually, you know, create their own PR channel uh, without having to go talk to one of their reporters. 
Yeah, and I think the thing with the media is the media only see people talking to them. They don't see what other people people in the public relations industry do. Um, and most of the times, maybe they deal with publicists, and publicists are very good at what they do, and they're very media-focused. When it comes to PR, media tends to be one part of a broader strategic comms program without getting too heavy about it. But, you know, I, I guess, the, you know, when a, a journo gets angry with a PR person who's pitched them and they rant and rave, then they're, they're just – you know, putting out their biases into the world. But, you know, I've seen so many stats and research that you know, everything, anything up to 60 to 80% of, of, of content or articles that come through the media and news, traditional media have been generated, not generated, but instigated by a PR person. So that'd be in a world of pain, to, uh, particularly today with newsrooms um, cutting back um, without the help from the, the, you know, the PR and publicity fraternity. So, you know, I, well, they do rant a bit sometimes, but the good ones work with the PR people. And it's a very collaborative space now. But of course, that's the pitching side of things, Doug. And, and that's probably what I spent a lot of my career doing. But now it's about building that profile, building that authority, that credibility. So the media come to you. You can still pitch and you can still, you know, approach and build relationships with key journalists in your space, but it's about attracting them to you. And don't forget, you are the media as well. Yep. You know, even, you know, bloggers or getting on listed. So we call it the, the phrase I'll use is earned media. Anything, any sort of media where you've you've earned the right to be there. Now, that's whether you know someone's agreed to you know interview you on a radio station, someone's put you on a top blogs list, someone's you know talking about you or quoting you in a podcast or in a presentation on the stage. The stage is a media as well. So if you earn the right for that to happen, you know there's a bit of work that goes in. That just doesn't happen by itself. Well, and I, what I find often with all this stuff that we've seen, especially in the U.S. Uh, over the last election, is that most people I talk to don't realize that the the news is not a public service. It is a it is a business, and they have to sell advertising, and they have to get readers and followers and listeners. So they, they mistake that hey, this is a not for profit here to serve the public. It's like no, they're not a not for profit. They're a business, and they have to have like you said, good content, good relationship with good people, produce stories. Um, and headlines that people will click on and read for them to keep their doors open. And what we're finding now is there's there's a swing back to really good journalism um, because we don't necessarily trust everything else out there. Uh, obviously, with all the Facebook issues and things like that, and you know the New York Times is is going like gangbusters at the moment. So. And here in Australia, we're seeing the same sort of thing. People are f flocking to the media. They might not get all their news and information from the media, traditional media. They might not necessarily believe everything that they read or hear or see, but they will still go there for verification often. So if you're talking, you know, we're talking on that uh, particular channel, you know, what steps do the media normally take to vet somebody as they're, you know, you, like you said, you're trying to um, build yourself as a thought leader with a good reputation. What are they going to do? What are they going to look at? And how are they going to search you to find out, are you a good source? Can I trust you? And, you know, I guess at the end of the day, will you make me look good versus look bad if I, if I feature you or interview you? Yeah, well, the number one thing is is trust. They want to trust you as a source of information, and so yeah, you might pitch them. But I think nowadays they're you know they're proactive in looking for stories. They might have an idea, and then they're looking for spokespeople around it, that side of things. And so you know, if you're visible, and they'll ask their networks. You know, journalists particularly are big on Twitter, and they'll ask their networks now if your name pops up. And, and this, you know, a lot of people get besotted by, you know, big mainstream media and stuff like that. But, you know, let's be real. Often it's it's better to be looking more narrow in your vertical markets, whatever those markets might be, um, and, and start a bit smaller with blogs and, and industry publications and that sort of thing. But they're all out there doing their homework, looking for stuff. And if you come up on their radar, see, if people are talking about you, that's when you'll pop up on their radar. So I've been on the other side, you know, so I was the one pitching. And then when I started blogging in 2007 on Twitter and raising my profile that way, which eventually led to a book deal, but I was being on, on radio and TV and being, I was being asked to do that. And, you know, 
I was, I was just a nobody PR person, but because I'd built my profile and people would talk about me, they, the you know, the media, and this is the national networks, they found me. And so uh, I'm seeing this again and again and again and again with the people I work with who I advise. They're, you know, they're thought leaders out there doing their thing. But a lot of friends in this space, if they're out there building that profile, they often come across, the media will come across them. And don't forget, as you said earlier, Doug, the, the media want to make sure that you're not going to look make them look silly. And, you know, so they'll check you out. And I think a lot of times when we talk content, we don't talk about the validation. Now, whether it's a client, a customer, or a a potential partner, or an employee, or a potential employee, or a journalist, a blogger, a podcast, or whatever, they'll check out your body of work on social media, on your blog, or your podcast, or videos, or whatever, to see if you've, you've got the chops that you know what you're talking about and you do in you are indeed an expert in your space so that validation point if you've got no website no coverage on social no profile but they've heard about you they still might drop off you because they can't there's nothing there to say that you are an expert only that you might tell people you're an expert yeah, it's funny because you know, often you'll look at all clients come that want to do marketing and the first thing I'll do is look at all their social, go online, do a Google search to see if there's anything that looks out of place or in some cases there's some bad PR and, and that stuff shows up. So what's your starting point? Because lots of times you, you, know, you get a business owner that's saying, okay, I'd, I'd like to do PR. So whether it's traditional where they're pitching them or like you said, trying to build yourself as, a, as an expert, a validated expert. So where do you start with your clients to help them, you know, walk down that path? Yeah. So I'm a content first man. So I'm, I'm, my philosophy is to build your own media channel now, whether whether that's blogging, YouTubing, you know, being even active on LinkedIn, writing articles on LinkedIn, that sort of, that sort of thing. I think anything like that is super important because that's, that's your base. It takes a lot of time to do. And it's, think of, think of a pyramid. So it's at the base of the pyramid, your owned and social media. Whenever I talk owned, you're talking social anyway, because they go together. That's where your content is as well as being distributed. So let's just put owned and social at the bottom of the period pyramid. And the next layer up is your earned media. So they work really beautifully together. And so I wouldn't really be pitching unless I was out there and being active. doesn't mean you can't, but I personally wouldn't because there's a lot of effort going into pitching. It's not just, you know, sending a note to someone say, oh, I've got a great idea. It, you know, the journalists will tell you they get hundreds of emails a day and they gravitate to the ones who know how to pitch for starters or they know their name. So it's it's a grind to do. PR people who are professionals or publicists, that's what, you know, they're used to doing that. So you've got to understand what the news hook is. So I'd be very keen on just, you know, having that that blog or that your platform, whatever that is, YouTube videos, you know, just start making an effort in that. And, and so when the journalist, you've done the effort to get to the journalist, if they do check you out, then they're validated and they will check you out. So there's no point doing a lot of pitching if they come back to you and say, ah, it's a good idea, but who are you again? And I think in today's, you know, connected world, you've got to be visible and consistent. And well, and we talked a little bit earlier before we started uh, our episode, just really around kind of starting where you are with what you've got. So I think your point was, if you're not a writer and you hate writing, then maybe writing a blog isn't a way to do it. I know there's somebody in your neck of the woods, uh, James Shremko. Yep who doesn't like writing. And so I, he talks about, hey, he goes, I just dictate all my stuff and I send it to a writer to clean it up. Yeah, that's that's a really smart way to do it. And, um, you know, it's good to get words on the page, obviously. And but I guess that's the, 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 the challenge we all face is some people like video to, to consume. Some like video, some like audio, increasingly like audio podcasts like this. But a lot of people still like to read as well. So, uh, but yes, if you don't like writing, you know, it's not about knocking out a, a blog post every day. You you know, you don't you need to be on it and consistent, but you don't need to be just you know, in the older days it was let's blog every day and we'll build a profile that way and it worked, but it doesn't work today. So it's quality is is obviously king and queen. And um, you know, putting out 
articles and pieces that are going to further your cause. So you need to be a little bit strategic about it. You can't just put out anything. But I think that that, that idea of recording it and putting it out there is quite a, quite a sound idea. Well, it works well for me because, you know, when this episode is transcribed, it'll be good natural conversation around content marketing and PR and transcribed. It'll be five or 6,000 words that, you know, I didn't put pen to paper. We had a conversation, you know, like you said, it was audio for the, for the audience, but it's also becomes a blog post, which is good for people to read. It's good for SEO and it starts to build authority because people go, Hey, look at these types of conversations. So you know, he has some expertise in these areas. Correct. And and, and the beautiful thing uh, now and what we're seeing and what I work with clients on and a lot of your listeners will be doing this is that, you know, you, you do might, might do a, a long, like this is long form content. So long form content, big article, you know, a, a, a video presentation that you've done maybe. And then you can chop them up cascading content, I call it, you know, you chop them up into little pieces that can then be shared, you know, out of this conversation, you might be able to get two or three blog posts, but smaller blog posts, for example, yeah. might get some quotes, social tiles, snippets that can be, audio snippets that can be turned into a video so you can upload them to social media. And so what it is, is that it's getting that narrative out there across uh, multiple channels in multiple ways. So, you know, I, I know, well, I've got one client and I know others that have, you know, they've got a keynote presentation for the stage and they're now starting to break that up and, and, and use that in different ways uh, across all the social channels and blog about it and that sort of thing. So I'd, I'd certainly recommend to listeners that they think a little bit more expansively about the content that they create and not every time, but, you know, what are the big chunky cornerstone um, things, topics and issues and angles and hooks that they want to focus on, but do that however they want to create that content, but then break that content into other things for social media and, and uh, other formats uh, where it makes sense to do so. Yeah, I like that that particular uh, model where, like you said, you create your long form content, and then from the long form content can come can come smaller blog posts, and then a whole series of social. I know when we promote the podcast, we'll go through your episode and we'll pull out probably a dozen snippets from our conversation, and that will become the message in social that we'll link back. So here's the hot point. Here's you know here's something that Trevor said that was really cool. So let's make sure we include that. So that's our hook, and it's it's not a um, not clickbait like you we talked about earlier it's it's real and they're going to find that content when they listen or they read and and often those little social bits and the quotes and the things that are interesting they're digital breadcrumbs so they lead people back to the the bigger chunkier stuff and um, for one of our clients we do a monthly live q and a on on facebook and you know it's we don't just i'm not just sitting there holding a phone in fact i'm not even there anymore i'm i, I live tweeted <laughs> and um <laughs> and we um you know we have people turning up now because we're, we're seven seven episodes in but we've got a, a three to four camera i think it's a three camera setup now uh we've settled on we've got three on the panel and these are only phones so one phone takes the uh, and one's an ipad so one takes the the three shot one takes the two shot and one takes a one shot and and we can make it exactly like a tv panel show and the quality is just as good and i'm lucky that uh my clients are exceptionally good in front of the camera and they've got a great rapport with each other but now we're starting to get new guests in and new ideas and that that lives on forever now that's really great content it really goes well we put it on youtube and you know they're hour long and people are you know um sitting hanging around for a little while to watch it which is terrific and then we break little sections of it up little videos and then we we do also little quotes and things from it as well so you know that's a great that's a live a live stream now not that many people look at the live stream at the time, but the updraft, what you do get is the interactivity and the updraft is later down the track um, when people jump onto it. Well, it's like you said, now you're repurposing just so even if you're speaking at a, you know, at a live event, there's opportunity to take that content, the, you know, the audio and the video and use that and again, repurpose it over and over and over again. So, you know, you might have spent uh, 20 minutes on stage and you might get, you know, hours worth of uh, content that you can break that into and repurpose and reuse. Yeah, and and I'm not saying this is easy to do, and I'm not saying it's you know you have to do it all yourself. It's but if you want to break through the noise, which 
let's face it today, being visible, you know, strategic visibility in the marketplace is tremendously hard to do, then we just need to be a little smarter about it. And, and people say, well, we haven't got time to do that. Well, what are you doing in marketing that's probably not working these days? And why don't you start putting a little bit of effort into this? I talk a lot about a, having a culture of uh, content. And that means within your space, you know, within your workplace, that there's a, the culture of content is that this is a good story. You know, you see things, you're always on the go, you're always taking behind the scenes photos and, and, and content is part of the DNA of your business. And you use it to, with the understanding that you're out there building an audience, connecting with, with your customers and your, what I call your village of support. There's not everyone's going to be a customer. You've got a lot of friends of your firm or you or whatever, and they're happy to promote you if you give them a reason to do so. And, and this is this humanization, I guess, and smaller businesses are in a better position than large corporates in this regard. But, you know, we do business with, with people. We know that. And um, so how can we get our, our people out there and show the behind the scenes and make our businesses and our organizations more relatable? And I look at, you know, we always know, we talk ad nauseum about, you know, being a brand that people know, like, and trust. But there's two others on top of that. And one is to be top of mind. And the other is to be talked about positively. And if we can tick those boxes, we're in a uh, heck of a better position uh, from a marketing pers- and PR pers- perspective. So is there a, a client or a, you know an example that you'd want to share with our audience of somebody that you helped move from kind of where they were to uh, following your process in terms of you know having the culture of content and creating starting to create some long form content and videos and start to produce that and share that? Yeah, I'm. Um, we're working with a couple of clients. One is a company in Melbourne called Open Corp, and they're a very uh, entrepreneurial, fast-growing uh, business in the uh, investment space, uh, property investment space. So they they take people for the journey of you want to invest in property. They work with you from go to woe. But their big thing is about education. So they give away all their knowledge. They give away their processes. They give it away, all of it. And in an industry where there's not much trust, property, (laughs) they've taken the tack that we're going to give it away and we're going to take you behind the scenes and we're going to lift the lid and we're going to tell you the stories of what what we stuffed up and and where we're thinking now and things like that. And if people want to, you know, and uh, one of the founders of the company, a guy called uh, Cam McClellan, he wrote early days he wrote the book on this so he's done the hard yards first you know as we know writing a book's pretty tough usually the book comes after you know 5 or 6 years of blogging but he he wrote the book first and then we turned that book into a lot of content and we broke it out <laughs> from there but they they do these they call them uh, workout wealth wads workout of the day so they're sort of 3 to 7 minute videos pretty raw and they take a topic and i think they're up to about 290 at the moment so you know that's a that's a big commitment 290 videos and that's not the only videos they're the guys that do the live stream and you know their video is their big thing but then they break their book down into booklets, little, you know, more bite-sized chunks like ebooks and stuff. And they still print them, which I think is good as well. You can either have them as a PDF or some people want the physical copy. So they send it out to them if people are interested. So it, from an education, credibility, all of that point of view, they've got a culture of content because you've got the, the directors who will drop everything to do the video because it's important. Wow, that's that's really cool. And you know, I I was at the my CrossFit box today, and I, I think the seven to nine minute video wad sounds a little bit easier than what we did today. <laughs> yes, it's um, it's um, you know, they batch produce. I'm a yeah. big believer in batch production because these people are busy. Sure. So they'll get in for half an hour, forty well, an hour, and and change t-shirts and change shirts all the time. But, you know, we'll probably knock out six to eight of them. And the good thing with batch production, uh, Doug, of, of video particularly, is that you start seeing the narrative. If you, if you just keep doing one-offs, oh, we're going to knock out a video today, you're going to sh- sometimes struggle with, unless you've got it all written out, but, you know, your topics might become a little bit more loose. And I think that when you 
batch produce them, you say, well, we do it in this order and in aggregate, these videos will tell a story. And what you're trying to do is create what I call a sub-branded property, content property. So the wealth wads are one, the live Q&A is another, these sorts of things where people that might, you know, a podcast, for example, is a, a sub-branded property where it's got its own name. And over the period of time, people get to know that and that's their doorway into your world. You know, not everyone will read your blogs necessarily, but they might listen to your podcast. So, I like this idea of batch production is one, but also building a sub-branded property, particularly for video or podcasting, can be a, a very powerful or an interview series. You know, a friend of mine, he he did about 180 interviews under a under a particular heading, and that they were blog interviews. So that's a sub-branded property off the back of the blog. Well, and I think that the um, the batch production really, I mean, I batch all my podcasts on one afternoon, then one full day. But I mean, that's the same thing as writing a long form article. And that's why I like that approach better, because you get maybe a five to 8,000 word uh, document. And from there, you break it into little pieces. So it tells a congruent story opposed to, hey, I'm going to write a post today about this. And tomorrow, something else hits me. So I write a post about something else. So they're kind of disjointed. So it makes sense that batching your video, you'd, you'd accomplish the same goal you get on a particular topic or path and you lead people through in bite-sized pieces down that path. Yeah, absolutely. And a, a, um, another company that I think does extremely well, they're in, uh, I think in Richmond, Virginia, called the Goulet Pen Company, goulaypens.com. And, that, you know, startup husband and wife selling fountain pens online. And yes, the irony is quite delicious there, so selling old fountain pens and ink and wax seals um, online. And, um, you know, they're up to about 42 staff now. And when I interviewed Brian Goulet, the one of the co-founders of the business, he said that we've got seven out of the 42 who are committed to creating content. That's not including him and his wife. So, seven full-time staff create of 42 creating content and they do it better than probably anyone I've ever seen in terms of everything they do. Everything they do is terrific, terrific. Well, I'm going to go check that out. I'm a fan of fountain pens. I've bought um, a number over the years and received some as guests. So, it's interesting, like you said, the irony of, of selling fountain pens. <laughs> fountain pens all, all yeah. <laughs> It's terrific. But just just check them out from um, you know from the point of view of the content that they do and the consistency. And Brian has a Q and A as well every week, and he's up to about two hundred and something, two hundred and sixty maybe episodes every week. And it's an hour long, and it's just him answering people's questions that they've sent in. So it's not live, and just just terrific. And the production values have improved over the years, and of course his his presence and and presentation skills have improved. You know, it wasn't also always so polished, but he hasn't lost his heart and his authenticity. And so many people, if they start building a, a profile, they start getting really slick with all their production, particularly in video, and they lose the authenticity of, of what made it nice and worked in the first place. So they're a really great example of, you know, and their blogs and everything they do is, is, is first class. But when a lot of Brands say, oh, we're building community, blah, blah, blah. Wait till you see the community that these guys have built. And if you can do an hour-long Q&A every week with people with questions from people across all the channels, that's when you've got a really terrific interactive, engaged and interactive um, community. So based on your experience of helping people do this, what's, you know, what is the fear that's running through our listeners' head now as they're listening to this thinking, okay, that makes sense. I may have heard this before. But, so what's the but for most people? The but, there's two buts. One is I don't really know what I want to talk about and that's a fair enough call because you don't want to be just creating content for the sake of it and adding to the noise because far too many people do that and they're just wasting their time and they're wasting everyone else's time around. They're just being blocked and, and that side of things. And, and another mistake that people make is that they talk about themselves and their products and their services too much. They don't look about the audience and what's in it for them. And the second part is that it, it is overwhelming. It, it truly is overwhelming. And I just that's why I try and help people navigate through it. And sometimes people think they have to do it all internally, as we've discussed, but you don't have to. You can, you know, be in control of certain things, but then get, you know, freelancers or local suppliers or partners. And I think this hybrid model 
of you do X amount, but then you get other people to do the other work. And, you know, you don't have to do everything. I think, Doug, I think there's a there's a, a school of thought. I need to be on every channel. I think, you know, just start and master and, and, and work out what's going to work for you. Is it a blog and Twitter and LinkedIn? They might be the, you know, your triple threat, and but do them really, really well. And then over time, you might say, you know what, podcasting is really cool. I've got a great yeah. idea for it. It's going to add value to what I do. I know, you know, how it will pan out and let's just have a crack at it. And the good thing is you can try things and it's not going to, it doesn't cost the earth. I think that's the that's the the power today that a- anyone can do this, and it's terrific. But the problem is when anyone can do it, a lot of people just do stuff and they clog the world out there, the online environment. There's a lot of junk out there, and um, I think just sometimes we need to take a step back and say, is this going to add value? And a, a good starting point is those frequently asked questions, which we hear about over and over again. What are the what are the questions people are asking frequently that you can help them with? And then how deep can you go on those? Not a pithy one line in a Q&A, but do a video on it where you explain it and let your knowledge and your passion shine through. But there's, I also talk about leadership content, and that's if you want to take a leadership positioning in the marketplace. It's not answering people's questions. You know, you, you've probably heard of Seth Godin. Um, I like to use Seth Godin as a great example of leadership content. He's not out there solving your problems. He's got courses and everything for that. But he builds his audience by being provocative and trying to change the way you think about topics and issues. And so... That's that's where it starts moving more into content marketing for PR, which is what my book's about, is that looking at those areas that take people beyond just the frequently asked questions, as important as they are, and, and that's a great starting point, into how can you now start building a moat around your brand and differentiate, differentiating your brand in the marketplace, which again is quite hard in a sea of sameness. Well, and to not gloss over one of the points you made, and that was that when they started um, these this process of producing these videos, like the wide as an example, they got better over time. So for listeners that are thinking, hey, I have to be good first, is no, you need to, like you said, have, have a, a message um, that adds value and start and over time you will get better. Don't, don't spend three years practicing. Instead, start producing content today and, and then, you know, like you said, bring in some people that have more experience that can give you some offline critiques so you get better over time. 100%, Doug. And I think the, the thing we've got to be you know careful of there is, you know, you could do some videos and you, they, you think they suck and they, they might suck, so you don't put them up. We've all done that. We've all looked at <laughs> back at it and said, well, that's, bad. Yeah. that's, yeah. that's, that's yeah. just a mess. That, that's just a mess. Yeah. But, you know, I've also seen people put stuff on, on LinkedIn and it's really, they've been saying, oh, I'm, I'm a bit nervous about this and, you know, all the things you're not supposed to do. And people jump in and support saying, oh, this is terrific. It's a good story. It's a good message or whatever. So as long as you're, and, and it takes time, it, coral, I was going to say correlated to that or aligned to, to that thought is that it takes time to find your voice. So yes, the skill of presentation, same with speaking on stage, same with being on a video, same with writing, same with podcasting. It takes time to master it. But at the end of the day is if you've got a good story and you've got great content, people will listen. And I think the key is you've also got to find your voice. Yeah. Yep. I look back at my first blogs and they're still up there from 2007. They're absolutely appalling, <laughs> absolutely appalling. It probably did me more harm than good. Uh, but I, for, you know, for jokes, I, I, I do, you know, put them up online and say, look how bad this was. But, but the, I found my voice. Yeah. You know, I was, I was probably a lot more meek and mild in the early days. But you find your voice over a period of time, and you work out. You know, Doug, you'll, you'll. Um, attest to this. There's nothing more sobering than pressing, you know, publish on a blog post. You know, do I really believe in this? Is this, you know, this is out there. Am I, you know, can I fight the good fight on this topic or this issue? Yeah. And, you know, they, that that's when you find your voice. I mean, there's a school of thought that unless you're feeling quite sick, you haven't gone hard enough, but I don't 
subscribe to that at all. <laughs> it should be an enjoyable experience. That shouldn't be making you sick. But that said, a friend of mine recently um, did a guest post for a, an online publication, business publication in, in Australia. And that guest posting and op-eds, as they call them, is a really good way of you know writing content for others under your own name. And she, she rang me and said, this is coming out in an hour and I feel absolutely sick about this. And she walked me through it and I said, well, it's a pretty tough article and you've taken a pretty hard stance, but you believe in this. I know you do. And um, it turned out to be one of her best articles and one of her most read and has got her a lot of talkability and led to other things. So, you know, there is merit in having that flag in the ground and standing for something. And I don't think we're hot wired to do that. And um, unless we're naturally combative people, but most people aren't. And so you've got to find that that, that, that voice and be willing, how far do you go? How hard do you to hit if it's on an issue that you believe in? Or, you know, how how, op- how open are you on, as some people say, how far do you open the kimono on, you know, personal issues or lessons learned and stuff ups in business over sure. the journey? Yeah. And that's, that's the stuff that resonates. We relate to that because we've all been there. We've all stuffed up. And when someone comes out and stuffs something up and talks about it, we get more out of that probably than, hey, this was a brilliant success. And I learned that, you know, with hiring copywriters, we were running some large ad campaigns in America and I was buying media. And so we were testing two different writers and the writer that wrote just kind of a, a level-headed piece that was um, that anybody could have you know just read and understood, versus the person who took a contrarian view. The contrarian guy generated way more leads, and what we found by surveying the audience was the, the first writer everybody was indifferent to. They nah, they didn't really hate him, they didn't really love him, but the other guy there was a clear line in the sand. People either hated him or loved him, and the people that loved him followed him, and that moved the sales dial. So for me, that was my first you know witnessing the looking at the analytics on the back end going same media two different writers yeah. same topic and this guy crushes it and this guy does mm, all right yeah so there was nothing wrong with him taking a stance saying this is what i believe opposed to well on one hand we could go this way or on the other hand we go that way for me i don't find that helpful at all and i think it it's got to be genuine too though i mean you don't want to yeah, just be enough. provocative or controversial controversial for the sake of it because that pops through too how many people are you you, you know you've you've heard them on a you know, maybe you've read their articles and on social, they're quite combative and provocative. And then you meet them in real life and they're meek and mild. <laughs> and the disconnect, <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? The, yeah, dis- yeah. the disconnect there. And that's that's personal branding. Yeah, You're building a brand of being, you know, combative and standing your ground and all this. But then I see you and you don't. You're not that person, and you know that consistency is very important. And and sometimes we do need measured people to say, well, there's this issue, and there's on the other side there's issues. This is what I believe. They don't have to be controversial about it, but they're they're showing a balanced view, looking at both sides, giving people the opportunity to look at that and say, well, this is what I believe here, and you might have a different view. So we've all again finding our voice, our own tone of voice, our own styles. Um, we need to do what's comfortable for us, but sometimes we need to get a little uncomfortable as well because we know that, you know, that's when the magic happens. There was a writer uh, book I read a long time ago called You Are the Message, and it was written by an author by the name of Roger Ailes, and he's done a lot of consulting for various presidents. And he was, he basically just, you know, supported what you had said was that when you're speaking on the stage, you should be the same person on the stage, off the stage. If you're speaking on the stage and you're one persona and you get Get out and you meet people from that event or that seminar or you're out for dinner with them, they shouldn't be going, hey, you're not the same person that was over there. That was a, a whatever. That was an act or that was a show or that was trying to get attention. And when I talked to you, so yeah, that was really about being authentic. I remember doing some work with an executive coach. He was a client uh, many years back and um, he he worked with CEOs to help them shape their message and their story. And he'd, he said to me, you'd be surprised at how many CEOs of big, bigger companies take acting lessons to become the person that they think the marketplace and their, their staff, et cetera, want to see. 
And I thought, oh my god, that's that's just so hard, you know. Like we know, yeah, El Pacino's a good actor, you know. Like you're not El Pacino. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right. And and I thought it's just and and that's where social media. When you see CEOs and leaders, business leaders and community leaders get out and you know talk about stuff that they believe in and and you know have that point of view and listen to people and have empathy and all the things we 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 like in a not just in a person, but in a leader particularly, you know, they get talked about, they get asked to write articles, they get asked things and they get followings. And and that's because we can relate to them and we, you know, we may agree with their point of view or whatever and they, you know, they expand on our worldview or they reinforce our worldview. But the fact of the matter is when you see it and there's so few CEOs and business leaders on social media properly, you know, they might have someone put up a tweet or whatever, but they're not on it talking to people. Um, I like John Laguerre, who's the the, the North American um, pre, uh, president or he's CEO, I think, of um, T-Mobile. We haven't got T-Mobile in Australia, but, you know, this is a guy who's been around. He's got long hair. He loves magenta. He has a Facebook he does a Facebook, I think it might be live every Sunday called Slow Cooker Sundays, you know, and he's just, he's got millions of followers. Just That's terrific. Cool. Just really terrific. Have a look at it, yeah. Slow Cooker Sundays. And he's got, he's probably got more following than T-Mobile, but of course he's connected to T-Mobile. He's a spokesperson for T-Mobile. He's a great representative of the brand of T-Mobile. So, you know, that's a great example of, of you know, and he gets, he, you know, if someone has a crack at him on Twitter, he'll just put up a, you know, a, a GIF that uh, just dismisses them pretty quick. So, he's he, he's, <laughs> an, he's an interesting cat. But in New Zealand, there's a, the Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern is just terrific. She uses live Facebook all the time. And she might be out in the field or, you know, talking about something or just bringing people up to speed with what's happened over the week or, you know, and sometimes she hasn't got makeup on or, you know, she's in the wind and the hair's blowing everywhere and they're rough and they're raw and they are terrific. They are, you know, Jacinda Ardern, if you want to see a leader, a government, you know, a, a, a public leader. Um, use social media. Look at her Facebook page; it's just terrific, and and people warm to her that because it's who she is, and she talks to people on their own level. Um, yeah, in the real in the real world, not in a studio with a green screen, all the time. A hundred percent, hundred percent. She might do some of those, sure, but but not all we, the time. We know that the, the bulk of it is 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 just this on the fly. Which again, she might not get all the views at the time, but they'll come later. So, what's one thing that you're super excited about moving forward in your business? The one thing is probably the thing that's driven me for a, a long time. I still wake up. Like I've been in this space now, if every if every digital year is a dog year, <laughs> seven <laughs> years, uh, probably knocking on, you know, I don't know, 77, 80 years. But I still wake up excited, Doug, about the fact that we can become our own media channel now, however that looks like. And we've got the tools at our disposal. We've got all the everything we need at our disposal to get our story out there, to talk about our passions, to, you know, share our ideas and our insights and our stories with the world. And, you know, we need more interesting stories. We need more good thought-provoking pieces. We need more, you know, voices, genuine voices out there on topics and issues, whether they're business or social issues. And I think that, you know, we see every day we will see someone who's popped up out of nowhere and built a massive audience and, um, you know, around all sorts of weird and wonderful topics. And I just think that that's really exciting. It's a journey I've watched. Uh, my first book was called Microdomination in 2013 and it was identifying this trend and looking at the people who are becoming what are called micro mavens and just seeing that really explode. And of course, we've got the issues with influencers who are now trying to take the cash and and hack the system and everyone's always trying to game the system. (laughs) And, you know, that whole influencer marketing stuff is, you know, uh, a bit debatable at the moment. But I'm a purist and and the purity of social media and online publishing technologies, et cetera, means that we can create a magazine, a radio show, a TV show in our living room and have a voice to the world. And as Richard Edelman, one of the, the famous PR people in America once said, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm quoting him correctly, or words to the effect, you know, power has shifted from the hands of a few, influence has shifted from the hands of a few to the fingertips of many. And 
given that I had to go through gatekeepers for many, many years as a PR consultant, now we can build our own audiences and communicate directly. That's a revelation. It's still a revelation today, 12 years after starting my blog. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I know we connected on social and I have a lot of guests I connect on social because I'm looking for people who are authentic, putting out good content and it's an easy channel to connect. So, you know, you don't have to have some big, huge strategy other than you just really need to be you and put your hands on the keyboard and have that conversation. And I think we've lost that a little bit. I think as, you know, let's face it, marketers and entrepreneurs and online marketers, they come in and wreck something that was working pretty well. (laughs) And I think we're seeing a swing back to a little bit more humanity. A a top marketing blogger called Mark Schaefer in the US, just a terrific writer, got a great book out called Marketing Rebellion. and, And he's, you know, talking about, you know, a lot about humanity and the, you know, the future of the company that wins will be the most human sort of thing. And and I think that there is a swing to that. We're seeing a swing back to groups, private groups. We're seeing a swing back to certain things that the signals are that we still want to be online. We just want it to be a little bit more maybe niche, private. We want to talk with people who are genuine and the, the businesses that can do that and the marketers that understand that and resist the temptation to hack the system and game of game everything then i think ultimately they'll win and they'll 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 attract the, the right audience so given that when you're out swirling a glass of a good australian chardonnay i'm not sure if you're a wine guy <laughs> i didn't see that in your profile but what i the- am but not i am but not chardonnay okay <laughs> So what's the bad advice you hear is you're out in the business community, you know, given what you do and, you know, the the length of time, I mean, because as a veteran in the business, you've seen lots of stuff come and go. Um, So what's the bad advice that you think that people are hearing or receiving? I don't know if it's bad advice, but it's, well, I think that there's, you know, if you... I can sort of see it in my head, but it's, it's not bad advice, but it's really if you can growth hack your way to this or take this shortcut or whatever. And I I think you need to be aware of things that you can do. You know, if you're doing social advertising on Facebook, et cetera, you know, A-B testing and and being smart with data and everything, but don't be a slave to data. Don't make data everything. Try and, you know, there's two schools of thought. There's the people that probably just love the stories and the human side and the ones that just love the data and probably never written a story in their life, but they'll create something around data and that just because you can doesn't mean you should and i think you know again coming from a purist i think being a purist who under who looks at data but is not a slave to it is my where i like being i think you know if people just say oh you know the data the data the data look at all these data points just go down this track if your heart's not in it but you go and do it anyway i don't think that that's the right advice Nope, I think that's a good. That's a good point. Yep, you're trying. It's to not incorrect. Time. It's not incorrect advice, by the way, but it, it might not be right for you as the entrepreneur, as the marketer, or the business owner. I think you've got to stay true to yourself and don't just blindly follow what you know the gurus are saying. But yeah, what's what's trending on Twitter today? I'll be that. Exactly. It doesn't mean you can't be curious about it and and, and and test some things, you know, offline or whatever. But I think that jumping onto everything and just trying to, oh, this is really happening. Let's just try and do this. Or, you know, this is the best time to, you know, I understand this is the best time to post. But if everyone posts at that one time, well, then it's not the best time to post. So yeah, yeah. if your focus is on that and not the actual content, then I think that you'll be in trouble a little bit. And, and disappointed. Potentially, or, no. or it might go really gangbusters for you, and I just, I'm just look like an idiot now. <laughs> well, I mean, AI's certainly come a long, a long way in terms of looking at, you know, there's some of the tools that I'll use that actually looks at when people engage with my content or when people open my email, and the system will send the email to them based on their habits. Yep. So the data I'm looking at is what's best for that individual, not an aggregate that, you know, Tuesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern time is the best time to send an email. It, it might be but it might not be if i'm you know serving a different marketplace oh and and that's the amazing stuff with the technology we got we're getting now that that, that's happening and you know some ai still needs a little bit of a kick along i wouldn't be putting all my trust in it but it's getting (laughs) as we know it's getting better and it's getting getting better really quick and there's got to be times when we give stuff to the robots to do to free us up to do the really good 
you know, the content and the thing that matters and the relationship building, et cetera. Um, you know, when you just say, oh, I can send an email here, here at different times than that, and that's the smart thing to do. But then the double smart thing to do is make sure that that content going out to people is 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 genuine and good and adds value. And um, it's that combination, I think, that's good. But if someone just says, I'll oh, put the newsletter out, don't worry about what it is and just, you know, sell your stuff um, and people are blindly following that and annoying people, then that's not the good advice. So, I think you're doing it right. It's just how could you use the tools to be a better performer and get your, you know, your stories, your insights and you, your generosity of ideas out, out, out into the marketplace to your audience. So two questions, and I'll, I'll let you go back to uh, making a difference in the world for your clients. One is, who's one guest I absolutely have to have my podcast? A guy that I've followed for many years. I'm a, a good friend with him now. He's called Mark Masters. He lives in the, on the southern coast of England, a little place called Bournemouth. And he runs a – he's got a business called the ID Group, but he run, he's got this sort of great community happening called You Are The Media. And it started off as a uh, – kind of like a, 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 he was a blogger first and then that the You Are The Media became a newsletter and he's had this, I think for six years, he's put out a weekly newsletter and it's, it's you know, it's chunky and that he then did a podcast and then lunch networking events and now he has a full-blown conference with speakers from around the world and a great example of staying staying in one area doing it well moving to the next and he talks about you know owning your own space so you can build your audience um, similar of what I talk about he but he's out doing it in a different way and uh, got a tremendous mindset built a great community and so if you want to talk to someone about community and social and content and where everything fits Mark Masters you are the media is your your man. That'd be amazing. Maybe you can make an introduction for me through, uh, via I email. Do, uh, I could do or, or Twitter. We or could do Twitter. There Twitter. you go. There, on Twitter. social. Yeah, it's nice, to, it's nice to talk to somebody else who's still on Twitter um, <laughs> with everybody who's rushing off to TikTok to talk to the 18-year-old audience, which is not yeah. my audience. <laughs> this is not mine and it's probably not theirs either, but but it's sexy, so let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. So the most <laughs> important question is how can people find out uh, more about you, learn about you, and connect with you so that your message resonates? They can say, hey, this is really cool. Love Trevor's conversation. I need some help. I'm lucky pretty easy to find um, just through being around for a long time. Uh, Trevor Young is quite a common name. But uh, trevoryoung.me is my main, my personal website, prwarrior.com is my blog, the long-running blog. And I've got a new book out, Content Marketing for PR. And if you go to contentmarketing4pr.com, you will find a little bit more about the book. And uh, I do chat to people on Twitter and I'm at Trevor Young. So, I uh, got in at a time when I could have got my, got my own name, which was always a bonus. Yeah, that's really cool. Oh, well, good for you. Well, I want to say thanks so much for taking time and sharing with us today. No, thank you, Doug. So uh, I, I enjoy the conversation and uh, there's uh, plenty out there in this space to uh, work our way through. <laughs> well, and what I really like is I, I like because the world's connected the way it is. I mean, I've probably interviewed more people from Australia than I've interviewed from Canada. So, I mean, the, the, in terms of that, the world's flat. There's smart people everywhere and you there can are. reach out to, you know, to work with guys like you on the other side of the world from us or I don't know how that works. We're apart. Been to your country, but we're not close. Um, <laughs> but, you know, through through social and through the web, you can work with people all around the world to help you build your business. So that's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's a wonderful time to, to be alive and to be out there in business. Well, so thanks again. Appreciate you so much for uh, for uh, helping us today. I'll make sure this all gets transcribed for our listeners. So thanks for tuning in, listeners. I hope you found some nuggets here today. I would really suggest you go and have a look at Trevor's website. I liked the content, the way he's laid out the content on his Digital Citizen website. He breaks it down to help you self-identify what, uh, you know, kind of where you're at, what describes you best. And uh, we'll make sure that the uh, URL of the digitalcitizen.group is in the show notes. I'll suggest that you go over there, have a read. And then, um, yeah, I mean, is your book on uh, is audio or is it uh, print only? No, it's it's print and um, ebook from Amazon and Apple iBooks and everywhere else. I've 
got to try and do the audio before the end of the year, but I'm fast running out of time. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, hey, it works well on a digital book. I mean, I've been all over the world and I've been sitting reading going, hey, what's my next book? And it's easy just to go plug it into Amazon and download it on my Kindle or download it on my phone and have a read. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, don't be shy. Make sure you reach out. Uh, talk to Trevor. Uh, leave uh, your comment on the bottom of the show notes. The show notes are out and I look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting dougmorneau.com and downloading our advanced marketing white papers as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's dougmorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.